Okay, welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 44. Today's class will be given for Refuah Shilema, Hava Rut Bat Haya. Elna Refana Enafala, Amen, Bekarov, Shishab Refuah Shilema. We are going to discuss a very important topic today. When it comes to the subject of Simha, we have to cover a lot of bases. And this is quite an important one. I'm going to first read for you. We have to read it a little bit in Hebrew. Because I want you to appreciate the subject from the source that it comes from. It comes from a book called Rishon by the name of Sefer Hayashar. The Sefer Hayashar is a question who exactly wrote it. So I'm not going to go into that right now. Some say it was written by Rabbeinu Tam. Others have different names for the author. But in this Sefer Hayashar, he writes the following. And I'm only reading parts, what's relevant or most relevant to us. He says like this. He says, Kol ma'aseh. Any act that a person is involved in. That a person enjoys. So you do something, whatever it might be, and you enjoy it. You like it. He says, what's going to happen? When you do something and you get pleasure from it, so you start to love it and you get excited for it. He says, but sometimes after, he doesn't say how long after, but sometime afterwards, tasur, that love, that excitement, will go away. For the same thing, all of a sudden his heart is not into it. The word sin'ah in Hebrew means to hate, but it doesn't mean hatred necessarily the way we say hatred. In the Torah, the word sin'ah describes someone who loves less. Like we see by the example of Rahel and Rivka and, and Leah. It says that Yaakov loved Rahel more than Leah. But then the Torah says that Hashem saw Kisenu'ah Leah. That Le'ah was hated. Le'ah was not hated. Yaakov did not hate Le'ah. He just didn't love her as much. But in the Torah's wording of the word Sin'ah, that's already called Sin'ah. When you love someone less, that's called Sin'ah. So he says, the excitement, the love that you had for that thing that you were involved in, he says, one day is going to go away. And instead, you're going to have sin'ah. You're going to love it less. Or maybe even hate it. We'll catch yamim, but then after more days, he says, tasur, that also will go away. Which means, you're going to have ahava, sin'ah, ahava, sin'ah, for the same item. Yasur ha'ehad, one will leave, another one comes. It's just a cycle. 
You love it, you hate it. You love him, you hate him. You love her, you hate her. It's part of the human reality, says Sefer Ayashar. He's revealing to us such an unbelievable piece of information. As we're going to see during this class, that is so useful, practical, on a daily, hourly, probably minute-to-minute basis. That he's telling you that in life, whatever it is that you do, he didn't specify anything, but he means anything. Friendships. You can love a friendship. You can love that person. And then you can have times where it goes down. It could be in a marriage where a person is so excited for the marriage, so excited for the relationship. You have yeme, you have ahava. You love it. And then some days you don't love it so much. It could be at work where a person loves what they do, so excited about what they do. And there'll be days where you don't like what you do. Or there'll be times when you don't like what you're doing. It could be the partners that you work with in business, that you love to work with them, and then some days you really don't like working with them. This is not only in the physical world, it's also in the spiritual world. There are things in life that you sometimes love doing spiritually. For example, there could be a day where you just love the tefillah, you're loving it, you're loving praying, you're connecting. And there are some days where you're just not. You're, not, you're just not in the mood. You're not interested. There could be days where you wake up and you're excited to learn. And then some days when you're not. There could be some days when you love to give. Charity, yourself, your time. And then there's some days where you're just not in the mood. There could be some days where you just want to do something for your parents. Whatever they want, I'm ready. And there are other days where you're just not in the mood to talk to them. In all areas of life, any avodah, says Rabbeinu Tam, any avodah in life, spiritual, physical, relationships, you're going to love it and then expect that you're going to not love it. If we ended the class right here, I think we would already have learned a lot. I'll explain soon why we already learned a lot. You know, our later rabbis, they termed a phrase, they coined a phrase, I didn't see it in Sefer Hayasha. They always quote it as if he said it. I didn't see he said it. Maybe I missed it. But it's okay. They're also reliable sources. They say there's Yeme Ahava. There are days of love. And there are Yeme Sina. And there are days of hatred. Rabbeinu Tam was talking, or Sefer Hayasha was talking about something specific a friend, a husband, a child, a job, 
learning, praying, that you have ups and downs in that thing. But they say further that there are just some days that are just great days. Nothing specific was great. Everything is great. From the minute you wake up, everything is great. You wake up and you're in the mood to wake up. Exactly the time you want to wake up. You feel rested. You get out of your bed and everything is flowing. Everything goes. You get in your car and it's just the right temperature. You make every light to get to your destination. You find parking exactly in front of the place that you're going. Everything is just flowing on time. Your kids woke up, they're in school on time, nobody called you to complain, they did well on their test yesterday, they're in a good place. Life is just beautiful. From morning till night, things are flowing. And you say to yourself, wow, this is a piece of cake. This life thing is awesome. I love it. Nothing could go wrong. From the morning till the night. You go to work, you have orders waiting for you. People are sending in money. You get prepaid for something that you weren't expecting. Your boss calls you in and says, you know, you're doing a great job. You come home. The kids are all ready for you with smiles on their face. Everything is great. Those are called Yemeh Ahava. Everybody's got their own version of Yemeh Ahava. But there are also Yemeh Sinah. Yemeh Sinah, again, nothing specific, but everything. Just a bad day. Nothing goes right. From the morning, you don't even want to get out of bed. You woke up on the wrong side. You get out of bed, you stub your foot, you hit something there, oh, some kid left some toy right in front of you. Now you're limping for the next 20 minutes. Can't find what you want to wear yet. Your car doesn't start up. You have a flat tire. You can't make one light. There just seems to be somebody at every light waiting for you so that you shouldn't make it. You circle for a half hour, you can't find parking. You miss an appointment. And in the middle of all this, somebody from school calls you that your kids are thrown out of school. Great. Well, you get to work and you have messages waiting for you. They have returns on an order. A ship got taken over hostage by some people in Africa. Your goods aren't coming. Chargebacks. You're having a long day. Then you come home and your wife says, I had the worst day today. Baruch Hashem, you're here to help me out. And you're like, a what? <laughs> and it just gets worse and worse. Those are called Yeme Sin'ah. Everybody here has had Yeme Sin'ah. Different versions of it. Everyone has their own 
paper of what happened on that day? Yeme ahava and yeme sin'a or things or items or people that you have ahava for that it becomes sin'a those things are a part of life says Rabbeinu Tam they're a part of the human reality and it's not going to change nothing has to have gone wrong per se to have and a day of Ahava, it's not necessarily because you're a Malach. It's a part of life's formula. Like Shlomo Melech says, Lakol Zman. Everything has a Zman, a time. The question is, I think all of us, after hearing this, first of all, we're surprised that things that we have experienced our whole life are actually part of every person's life. Now, sometimes you think it's only you. Only I go through these issues. Only I'm up and down. But now you realize that it's everybody. Not just today, for the last thousand years and before. But more importantly for us is, so what are we supposed to do? I mean, now that we learned that the information is a reality for all of us, but what's the guidance? Is there anything we're supposed to be doing when it's yeme ahava, on those good days? What are you supposed to be doing? And on those difficult days, what are you supposed to be doing? So that's what we're going to spend time doing today. There's actually a lot of guidance for both. And the smart person and the hacham is a person who knows what to do and what not to do in any given situation. First, you have to know the diagnosis. First, you have to realize where you are in life. And you have to know how to react properly. So let's first talk about yeme ahava. Talk about the days that everything is going great in your life. It's just beautiful from beginning to end. Nothing you do can go wrong. What are you supposed to do on days of Ahava? Now those days, by the way, can last for weeks too. They could be months. We don't mean only one day. What is a person supposed to do when things are going well in your life. So let, let me read for you a Gemara. A Gemara that if you didn't see it in the Gemara, you would say, this is anti-Judaism. But luckily we did see it in the Gemara and it helps us understand things a little better. The Gemara says that when it comes to Tevu'ah, the word Tevu'ah means grains, like wheat and barley, there's a certain time of year that Hashem judges for that entire year what type of grain you're going to have, each person, and how much you're going to have. So you're a farmer. So they judge once a year on your grain. We get judged on Rosh Hashanah as a person. 
the grain is getting judged once a year. When is that? Says the Gemara, Bepesah. On Pesach, the Tevu'ah is judged. Now, that's no big deal. That wasn't the problem. Here's the issue. Ready for this? Comes Abaye and says, Abaye is one of the great Emuraim in Am Yisrael. He says, therefore, now that we learned this information, that we get judged once a year on Pesach, he says a farmer who plants in the winter for the crop of that year, and towards the end of the winter, towards the end of the winter, he realizes that the crop is coming out. Wow. Quantity, quality, it's a great year. Says Abaye to this farmer, hurry up, get some barley. Barley grows very fast. So even if you plant it late, you'll get quickly some barley. Go get some barley and plant it quickly. Because if you're seeing the beracha in this year's crop, just keep going. I would have said that as Jews who live with bitahon, so you did your hishtadlut, you did your work already. If Hashem wants to give you, He'll give you. Done, I'm done. I did my work for the year. But says Abaye, no. Says Abaye that this is part of our hishtadlut. It's part of our effort is to read the signals. That when you see that you're having a good day, get as much in as you can. Because there's something called a good day. It's not something that just happened. Right now you're in Yeme Ahava. Take advantage of it. Go and plant more. If your business is doing great, you're seeing things are happening, go out and see more customers. It's the time to invest more. Because you're seeing the Beracha. You're seeing the Ahava. We see another example of this. An example that's not so easy for us to understand today because we don't live that lifestyle. But it says in Shemuel, Shemuel Bet, that David Melech had a friend by the name of Hiram. Hiram was a goy. He was the king of Tzor. And out of appreciation or friendship of love for David, the Pasuk says that he sent David Melech all the materials and all the builders and all the craftsmen that he needed to build a palace. Imagine you wanted to build a house. Someone sends you all the material. You know how hard that can be. And sends you all the people, top experts. And they're going to come and build your home. These people came and they built David Melech's palace. What did David Melech do for such a beracha? 
Who gets that? Who gets a foreign king to come build your palace? What a blessing that is. David Amir says, the Pasuk says, Vayeda David, David saw that Hashem is blessing him. Vayikah David od pilakshim benashim. In those days, they used to have more than one wife. David Melech saw this beracha. He says, I got to get married. He gets more wives. And he had more children. And the children's name are listed. One of them is Shalom. The Ralbag is one of the great commentaries on Tanakh. He says, what, what is this? What's the connection? Someone builds you a palace so you go get married? What does that have to do with anything? Why is this the reaction? Says the Ralbag. He has a part over there called the Ta'aliyot. He learns from every story all the benefits, all the takeaways that we need to take for us. He says, from this story, it's coming lehodia. It's coming to teach us that a person who's feeling hatzlaha, if you're feeling success, if things are going well, he should do as much as he can in that situation. And that's why he says, David HaMelech, when he saw such an amazing beracha, he saw Yemei Ahava in his life, he says, I need to have more children. He goes, because these children just might be my best children. And guess what happened? Says the Rabbah, from all the children that he had, it was children that was Shlomo that came from this marriage who became the next Melech. The Beracha of Shlomo happened because David understood that when there's Yeme Ahava, you gotta take advantage. If David Amelech didn't know how to read the messages of life, there would be no Shalomo. And all of his future would have totally changed. What, a, what an unbelievable story and guidance for us. When things are going well, I wouldn't recommend getting married to more people. That's not. That's not going to happen today. That's not the point of the story. But the recommendation is you step up your efforts in things that are important to you. In those days, what did David want? Not more money. He wanted great children. He said, well, let me take advantage now. Let me get married now. Let me have a child now. Things are good. This is the time. There's someone else in history that had that same opportunity. The Midrash says that Noah was really fit to get the Torah for the world. In reality, Moshe Rabbeinu got it. Today we learn the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. But really, Noah was supposed to get it. 
And if Noah got it, not only would it have been great for Noah, but the whole world would have gotten it. Now that Moshe got it, it was only limited, only for some people. What a biracha would have been if Noah got the Torah. And when he left the Teva, it was the start of a pure world, and now we're supposed to be Matan Torah. That's what the Midrash says. But Noah messed it up. How did he mess up? When he left the Teva, these were days of Rahamim, days of tremendous compassion and love. You have to remember, God destroyed the whole world. And He spared a few people. He showed them tremendous love and compassion. And Noah now gets out of the Teva. Whatever he would do that day would have such a beracha. And in fact, it did. What was the first thing he did? The Pasuk says. It says, Vayahel Noah, he began. What was the first thing on this unbelievable day of blessing that Noah gets out of the Teva onto a new planet? That only he, from all of humanity, was able to survive. Hashem spared him. What would he do? What's the first thing he's going to do? He says he went ahead and he planted a vineyard. Do you know what happened to that vineyard? Well, it says that he drank from the wine. Hazal tells us he planted that day. He grew grapes that day. He made, he squeezed the grapes that day. And wine came out that day. That process takes a year. Years. But there was such a beracha in the world that day that no matter what you would do, you would be blessed. What did Noah do in that beracha? He planted grapes to make wine. There's nothing wrong with grapes or wine. But when you have an opportunity for a blessing, that's not the first area you're supposed to invest in. And he did that. And he drank on that day. And he got drunk like nobody got drunk. There was a tremendous beracha in his drinking. And terrible things happened to Noah on that day because he got drunk. An embarrassing situation. His children, some of them messed up. I don't have time to go through the story now. But bottom line, that was a very bad choice. Says the Midrash, if Noah would have left the Teva and understood today's class, if Noah was here, in our class today, and understood the message of Yemei Ahava, he would not have planted grapes. He would have maybe given a shiur of Torah. Maybe he would have went to learn that day. Because that day's learning would have given such a beracha. The shiur he would have given that day would have been the top shiur in history. Anything he would have done that day 
would have been on a high level. Maybe he would have gone to help his children. Maybe he would have done some hesed. Whatever it is, it was ready for him. What are you going to invest? Which beracha are you going to invest in on the days of blessing? If Moshe would have chosen the proper blessing, he would have been Moshe Rabenu. He would have brought the Torah down to humanity. That's how much blessing he had on that day. But instead of taking the opportunity of a great day, he wasted it on a cup of wine. Wine is good in the right time. This was wrong timing. When you have a blessing, not only take advantage of the blessing, but take advantage in the right way. Put it in the right place. You know, that's the secret, by the way. If anybody's going to pay attention to Birkat HaMazon, the next time you read it, you know, Birkat HaMazon, if somebody was asking you, um, why do you say Birkat HaMazon? What do you mean? We're thanking Hashem for the bread. The bread is the staple of life. The whole seuda that of course the bread represents. So we're thanking Hashem for that meal. So that, that's acceptable. And if you read the first beracha of Berkat Amazon, you would say, okay, that makes sense. But how do you explain the other parts of Berkat Amazon? Like when it says, Nodelecha, Hashem, we thank you that you gave us Eretz Yisrael. What does that have to do anything? And we thank you, Hashem, that you took us out of Mitzrayim. Okay? And we thank you that you gave us a Brit Milah. And we thank you for giving us a Torah and mitzvot. And you gave us life. That's what we say. Look it up. And someone will ask you, what does it have to do with the bread? What does it have to do with your meal? You could thank Hashem for Eretz Yisrael anytime. You could thank Him for the Torah anytime. Anytime you want to thank Him for Brit Milah. What does it have to do with Birkat HaMazon? And the answer is, the Pasuk says in Mishle, again, in sorry, in Kohelet, says Shalomu HaMelech, Be'yom Tova, on a good day, Heye Betov, Heye Betov means, take advantage of that day in a good way. One of the ways to take advantage, is to be thankful. If you're thankful for the bread, if you feel good about what you ate, it's a great time to be thankful for other things in your life. That maybe in general, you're not so in the mood. But now that you're in a good mood, let's start thanking more. Because your thanks are going to mean more at this time. Now that you're full and satiated and you're thanking Hashem for the great meal that you had, hopefully you appreciate that. If you're just saying, because you have to, I don't think this works. But if you're really thankful because you just ate and you filled your stomach and you're healthy, it's a great time to start thanking for other things. Be'yom Tova, on a good day, open your heart 
and say, Hashem, thank you. When you get married, it's a great day. You don't just thank Hashem for getting married. If you thank Hashem for getting married on that day, you missed the boat. And many people do take advantage today, maybe more than before. They're under the chuppah and they thank Hashem for their parents. And they thank Hashem for their friends. And they thank Hashem for their grandparents. And they thank Hashem for their life. And they thank Hashem for their wealth. And they thank Hashem for their health. And they thank Hashem. And if you stop the hatan or what are you doing? You're getting married now. What does all that have to do with your wedding? And if they knew the answer, they would say, the Pasuk in Kohelet, Be'yom Tovah. You know, if I would thank Hashem on a regular day for my health, I don't know that it would come out so, so good. I don't know if I would mean it so much. If I thanked Hashem for my parents on a regular day, I'm not sure how much beracha there is in that thanks. I'm not sure if it's going to come from the depths of my heart. I don't know how powerful it is. The thanks is good, but it's not big. You know, sometimes people could thank you, and it's like, okay, you're welcome. And sometimes people thank you, and like it hits your heart. It's like, wow, that was a thank you. I felt that. To thank Hashem on a regular day for something, okay, it's nice. But when you're feeling beracha, beyom tova, that's a day to start thanking for everything. Because thanking Hashem is in itself a great beracha. Because if you give thanks to Hashem, you get more beracha. But usually our thanks are a week. But on a great day, Beyom Tova on a great day, when you're feeling that simha, when you're feeling that ahava, you start bringing everything else in. And your thanks for your parents will mean a lot more than a week before. And everything else that Hashem gave you. That's what we're doing in Birkat Amazon. We're thanking Hashem for the food, and also, you know what? <coughs> Let me thank for other things too while I'm at it. Beyom Tova Heye Betov. Take advantage of a good day. I think probably the most critical part of this class is this one. How do you take advantage of a bad day? Or better yet, how to deal with a bad day? Or a bad week? Or a bad month? Or a bad year? What are you supposed to do? It's the worst day of your life. Things just get worse. And worse. So maybe all that interested us was this question. But in truth, the first part of this class was just as important. Because when you take advantage of the days of Beracha, you probably will have less days of Sina. There's a connection. I didn't just go and say, you know what? I know this is what you're interested in. How do we deal with the moods that are not so good? How do you deal with the difficulties? That's probably what you were interested to hear. But the truth is, it's important to know what to do with the days of Beracha. And like I said, if you take advantage of those days, you'll have less Yemesina. The better you do on the good days, the less you'll have to deal with the difficulties. But the difficulties are coming. No matter what, 
and no matter who you are. And the question is, what guidance does the Torah give us when you're having a tough day? And remember, we're learning about Simha. There is no way we can expect to live a life of continuous Simha if we don't learn how to deal with this difficult human reality called bad moods, bad days. So first I'd like to tell you a couple of things, very short. This is not really the solution. It's just beware. Beware of something doesn't always give you something positive. It's just telling you, be careful that you don't destroy yourself. So before I tell you anything of how to take advantage of that day, here is something to keep in mind that you must not do. Be careful not to do this. Number one, don't make any decisions. When you're in a bad mood, don't make decisions. Now is not the time to decide that you're getting divorced. It's not the time. It's not the time. You're in the worst day of your marriage. It's never been this bad. Maybe, you know, divorce is a reality. Sometimes you have to get divorced. It's part of the Torah. It's not a great reality, but it's a reality. But you don't do that on a bad day. You don't make those kinds of decisions. You don't make new gezerot in your house. New decrees in your house on a bad day. You know, you say, what? You know, kids, that's it. That's it. Here are the new Ten Commandments in this house. You must walk in a straight line. You cannot speak until you get asked. Raise your hand first. And you make all these kinds of ridiculous decrees that you know don't make sense. No one can live up to them. You don't do that. Don't make decisions. Don't leave your job because you had a bad day. I quit. Don't do that. Again, you may need to quit. Not on that day. You don't make decisions when you're in a bad mood. At least not important ones. You want to choose pizza today over, over sushi? Go ahead. No problem. But no important decisions for your life can be made on a day of a bad mood. So your mind is all over the place. And you want to do certain things. Just remember, bad day, no decisions. It could wait till tomorrow. Don't do it now. That's one thing to be careful. Stay away from that. The other thing is, just keep your mouth closed. Don't talk. Don't even say good things. Because you never know what comes out. Don't even say like compliments and things. Don't. Just keep quiet. Go to sleep. <laughs> you know how people say, don't go to, go to sleep upset? They're wrong. <laughs> when you're upset, go to sleep. Just sleep on it. Now let's talk this out. No, don't talk. Now is not the time to talk it out. Just go to sleep. Because any moment you're up is a danger that you may open your mouth. And if you open your mouth, you don't know what's coming out. I'm sorry to be so explicit. But that's the reality. 
Bad days are not meant for speaking. They're main, they're made to just keep quiet. Go have coffee, sit by yourself. Don't talk. I mean, you can talk to yourself if you want. But that's not a problem. And the third thing, be careful. I mean, if you did the first two, you have no problem with this one. But in case you missed the first two, be careful of this one. Don't shift the blame. Don't stop blaming your kids for your miserable life. So now I figured it out. It's all your fault. I could have been a normal, happy person. It's you. Or it's your boss. Or it's your friend. Or it's your husband. Or it's your wife. Or don't stop blaming people today for your problems. It's a mistake. You may end up having to bite a lot of things that you said. You're going to regret a lot of things that you're going to talk about and that you pointed fingers at. Don't do it. It's the wrong mindset. It's the wrong reaction. So those are the things just to be careful from on difficult days. I don't think I'm saying anything, by the way, any like genius advice. This is not like, I don't think it's even Torah advice. It's simple human advice. Anybody here could have said it. But since we're giving the class, I'm saying it anyway. I hope you don't go out and say, oh, what did the rabbi say today? He gave three pieces of advice. <laughs> On a hard day, don't talk, don't, that's not what I said today. This is side point that anybody could have said. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what is the Torah advice? What are we supposed to do on Yemes Sinah? What are you supposed to do when you're having a tough time? The first thing we have to do, now I don't know by the way any particular order, I'm just telling you the way I wrote it down. The first thing is, just coming to this class today, you're a very lucky person. Not because you came to see me, that's not why you're lucky. <laughs> You're lucky because you just learned, and I just learned, that moods are normal. That is so important to deal properly with difficult days when everything is just tumbling down in your life. The first thing to remember is that it's part of life. It's normal. It doesn't mean your world is crumbling. It may feel that way, but it's normal. It's a part of life. The stipler says, Allah Shalom, that all of creation is ups and downs. The weather has cycles. There are peaks and valleys. There are the tall mountains and the valleys of the world. There's light and there's darkness. It's part of life. Ups and downs are part of life. So it's not like you did something wrong. You may have done something wrong, but it's not necessarily the reason. Things could happen even if you did nothing wrong. It's when we get nervous and say, why? And, what, what? and then we start analyzing and we start... And then, 
just it's normal moods are normal that in itself is a tremendous wealth of information you're in a bad mood you're in a bad day you're in a bad situation it's normal that already gives you strength you know this is something that Moshe Rabbeinu was very well aware of look at this genius of Moshe Rabbeinu the Torah reports that Yitro, his father-in-law, came to join the Jewish people in the desert. And it says that Moshe went out to greet his father-in-law. That's the right thing to do. From here, by the way, Hazal tells us that you have to honor your father-in-law, almost like your father. He went out to greet him. And then the Pasuk says that Moshe starts to tell Yitro about all the great things that Hashem did for the Jewish people, all the things that Yitro missed. So the Midrash says, like what? what? What specifically did Moshe speak about? I mean, a lot of things happened when Yitro wasn't there. What did he speak about specifically? So it says the Midrash, he told him about Kiriat Yamsuf, about the splitting of the sea, and he spoke to them about the, the big war with Amalek that they won. Those are the two things that he felt he wanted to share with Yitro. Exciting moments in Jewish history that Yitro wasn't around to witness. Sounds nice, sounds good, but it's a big problem. Because if you read a few Pesukim before, it says that Yitro heard all of what happened to the Jewish people. And that's why he came to join them in the desert. And over there the Midrash asks, what did he hear? What did Yitro hear about that he came to join us? And says the Midrash, the same Midrash, says, What did he hear? Says the Midrash, he heard about Kiryat Yamsuf and Melchimet Amalek. That means when Yitro came, he says, ah, oh, I'm so excited to join you. I heard about the Yamsuf. I heard about Amalek. So now his son-in-law, Moshe, says, let me tell you what happened to us. The splitting of the sea. Oh, I just told you. I just told you. That's why I came. Don't tell me. Give me a Hidushim. Oh, wait. Let me tell you about Melchimet Amalek. No, no. That's why I came. I just told you that. You would think that Moshe would tell him about other things. Why would he repeat the same things that Yitro heard about already and that's why he came? It doesn't make sense. He came for those reasons and Moshe tells him, let me tell you what happened to us. And he repeats what Yitro already knows. Listen to this beautiful, beautiful answer. If you look in the Pasuk that speaks about Moshe telling Yitro, it says, Vaisaper Moshe lechoteno. Moshe starts to tell his father-in-law whatever Hashem did for Am Yisrael. And then it says, continues the Pasuk. It doesn't end it. It says, Et kol hatela'ah asher metza'atam he starts telling about all the troubles that they faced 
while they were on the road. And Hashem saved them. Do you know what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing here? Moshe Rabbeinu was a very big man that we can imagine. And he knew there's a very big problem that is about to hit Yitro. And Yitro doesn't realize. I'm going to give you a current time example of this problem. You know, you have today, we have it all over the world. But in Israel, you have people who grew up who learned nothing. They know nothing about Judaism. Hard to believe, but they don't know anything. They don't know Shema Yisrael. So they have, for example, people who make seminars. They make a Shabbaton. And they invite these people who know nothing about Judaism. And they invite them for a Shabbat. And they get there. And for the first Shabbat in their life, Shabbat in their life, they spend it in a kosher way. They bring great speakers. Friday night comes, Shabbat comes. Beautiful songs. One inspiring speaker, another inspiring speaker on this subject, on that subject. Great food. You know how good food tastes on Shabbat. They don't want to sleep at night. It's going great. The next day, again, another item, another item. A little rest on Shabbat afternoon. Ah, that felt awesome. By the time these people finish Shabbat, they're flying. They're saying, we need to do this. This is great. Wow. They're inspired, we call them. This could happen in a Shabbaton in Israel. It could happen in a, in a class that you went to. Whatever it might be. Sometimes in life, we get inspired. Yitro was inspired. Yitro could not believe what he heard. The sea splitting for the Jewish people? What is that? Beating Amalek with no weapons? With no army? Whoa! What's going on? He's inspired. He comes to join us. I want to be part of these people. I'm ready. Moshe, the genius, knows that that guy that was inspired on Shabbat, when Sunday hits, it's not going to be so simple. He now has to wake up early. He's not used to waking up early. He has to go pray. He's not used to praying. He has to go learn Torah. He never learned Torah. And it's not always, it's beautiful to learn Torah, but it's not always easy. It's beautiful to have Shabbat, but then there's Erev Shabbat too. There's preparing for Shabbat. There's rushing. There's, there's baking the halot for Shabbat. There's cleaning for Shabbat. There's making sure everything is ready for Shabbat in the house. He didn't hear about that. So here he is inspired. He's on cloud nine and all of a sudden the reality of life hits and things aren't so easy. It's like a person inspired to be married and they're so excited to be married and they think it's going to be cloud ten, not nine. Top. 
And then when things start getting a little rocky, they start getting worried. What's going on? Did I take on the wrong religion? Was it a mistake to become a Baal Teshuvah? Was it a mistake to start learning? You know, people come here every day. This room is full of people learning morning, night. Guy comes in the first time, he's can't believe what he's seen. Comes to a class, awesome. But you know what? After a while, it gets hard. Sometimes you don't want to go. Sometimes you don't understand what they're learning. So it's very, very frustrating. It's not always great. Marriage is not always great. Shabbat's not always easy. It's not always easy to learn. It's not. And Moshe was worried that this Yitro coming in with such expectations, when the Yemesina'ah come in, when the difficulty comes in, he's going to be broken. He's going to say, whoa, what just happened? I must have done the wrong thing. I must have married the wrong person. I must have taken on the wrong item. Learning must not be for me. Shabbat is not my thing. He was worried about that. So you know what he did? He gave him a little vaccine ahead of time. People don't take vaccines when they're sick. They take them so they don't get sick. They take them when they're expecting something that's going to be coming up that may be damaging. So they're going to either stop it or at least minimize it. You know, not all vaccines, they stop completely the problem, but they minimize it. Moshe Rabbeinu tells Yitro, listen to me, I know you heard about the splitting of the sea. That was a wow. But did you hear what happened before? Did you know what happened before? We were stuck, helpless, crying, desperate. We had nowhere to go. Paro and his army were coming behind us. We had nothing and nothing to do, nowhere to go. Did you hear about that? Oh, you heard about Muhammad Amalek. Do you know why we even had to fight the war altogether? Do you know because it's expected of the Jewish people to learn Torah and we weren't learning Torah properly? And that's why we had to fight an enemy like Amalek? Did you hear about that? Did you hear about the struggles of Shabbat? Oh, you didn't hear about that. So let me tell you about that. Why is Moshe selling in the struggles now? The man is inspired. Let him go. The guy's leaving Shabbat. He's inspired. He's on cloud nine. Let him go. He's ready to get married. He's, forget about it. Let him go. What do you have to dampen the mood now? What do you have to tell him? By the way, you know, I know you think marriage is going to be like top every second, but it's not. I'm just telling you. I know you're great. I know your wife's great. You're both great people. You have great families. But let me just give you a little prophecy ahead of time. I'm a prophet. God told me I am. So I'm telling you ahead of time that uh, you're going to have issues, okay? Just remember. And remember me when you have it. <laughs> Why would you do that? Haziz, let, let, let them enjoy. Let them enjoy for the moment. What are you, what are you making them crazy for? That's what you would say. Stop. When they, when they get to it, they'll deal with it. Mistake. Because when you know ahead of time, you're prepared. And when you're prepared you handle it a lot better. You don't get as nervous. You're not as desperate. 
You're not questioning your every move. Because someone already told you, it's not so simple. One day you're going to wake up and you're not going to be in the mood to pray. Oh, thank you for telling me that. Because one day I was in the mood to pray and I didn't know what happened. I thought maybe like Judaism is not for me. Or maybe I did something terrible. Nothing happened to you. You're good. It's normal. The power of knowing that what you're going through is normal is beyond your imagination. So much of the pain and the struggle is because we think it's not normal. And that becomes very frustrating. That's lesson number one from the Torah. It's normal for even the greatest things in life, even the greatest marriages, and the greatest spiritual highs, and the greatest jobs, and the greatest friendships, and the greatest anything. It's normal for things to get a little, or maybe sometimes a lot dim. It's normal. You gotta deal with it, but it's normal. Number two. Of course, by the way, it's not the first thing you tell about Tzishuvah. You don't bring him into the seminar and say, listen, it's very hard to prepare for Shabbat. You know, it's sometimes it's very hard to learn. Obviously, you're smart. You understand. It's not the first thing you do when you talk to someone who doesn't want to get married. You know, marriage is very hard. <laughs> it's very problematic. A lot of issues. It's not what you, you don't do that. First, you inspire them. Okay, I just want to make sure you don't make a mistake. The rabbi said you're supposed to do that. First, get them inspired. And after they're inspired, you could throw in a little bit. Okay, just make sure. Once you know that it's normal, now you need something else. You need sablanut. It's a very hard word to understand and much harder to actually fulfill. The word sablan in Hebrew, people think it means patience. That's not what it means. The word sablan means to carry something that's heavy. When you're carrying something heavy, the first thing you want to do just put it down. Who wants to carry heavy things? Unless you have to, you want to put it down at the first possible moment. Savlanut means you're able to carry something without throwing it down. You're able to carry a marriage. It's heavy. Very heavy. But you just keep carrying it. You don't throw it down. You carry whatever it is you're involved in. You're learning. It's not, you know, sometimes you have a boy in yeshiva is learning. He doesn't understand anything. You know, even in yeshiva, you have yeme ahava, yeme sina. Sometimes in yeshiva you go, you're learning, you're great. You understand everything. Clear. Your tefillot are from the heart. That's wow. And there are some times where it's not. It could be the winter, it could be the summer, it could be any time.
The second advice, you got to carry it. You can't give up on yeshiva because you're not learning so good today or this week. You got to carry it because it's normal. You got to carry your marriage. Even if it's difficult for a week or two or a month. I don't know how long. When do you have to drop it? I don't know. You got to speak to very capable people. But you got to carry for a certain period of time. There is no choice. Because things are going to come back around again. They're going to get better again. In fact, one of the ways to be able to get the strength to carry is to remember times of past where things were good. Remember the time you were learning so good? Remember how you enjoyed that Tosfot, that Gemara that you were learning? Remember that tefillah that you were so excited about? Remember that marriage that you had that you loved? Sometimes remembering the past and the good gives you the ability to carry. It's just a matter of time. Unless you ruin it. See, you could ruin it. If you don't follow today's advice, you could ruin things. And then maybe they're not coming back around. If you don't follow the right road, you could ruin when that will happen or if it will ever happen. Obviously, if you're having a bad day and you say every bad word in the book to your spouse, don't expect it to come around so fast. You just ruined it. You took a day problem or a week problem and you made it a year problem or maybe an endless problem. So you're causing that. Okay, you had a bad day. And sometimes people have a bad day and you're the target of their bad day. They didn't come to this class. They didn't learn about all this. So you realize they're having a bad day. Okay. Relax, it's going to come back. Knowing it's going to come back gives you the strength to carry it. Don't drop the ball. You're not in the mood. You know, you've been making halot every Friday. That's your thing. You, take, you took that upon yourself. You're not in the mood today. Just do it. You don't always have to be in the mood. You know, I pray every day. Today I'm not in the mood. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. Pray a little quicker. You know, make less halot this week. You're not in the mood to learn. Learn anyway. Learn a little less. But you can't drop the ball. You drop the ball, you're causing yourself a lot of pain. That wasn't necessary. And people will ask you, why did you drop the ball? And you'll say, oh, look what happened to me. And everyone will say, oh, you're right, I hear you. But I'm telling you, you're not right. You dropped the ball, you dropped your life. You dropped your future. You have to know. It's a cycle. It's coming back around. Just like bad moods are normal, good moods are also normal. They're coming back. But you gotta carry it. Don't give up. Be a sablan. Especially, by the way, warning, especially in the beginning of something. I mean, after 30 years of marriage, it's a little bit easier. But in the first year, first six months, the first, it's much harder to carry. You want to give up right away. I'm done. I'm done. You know how many people have said, I'm done, and had 10 children after that? 
especially in the beginning, in anything, again, you come to learn, it's hard. You can just relax. Sablan, it's very hard to come by today, sablanut in America. People don't like sablanut, they don't like to carry anything. They want to drop anything they can. Even luggage they don't want to carry to the airport. They want someone to pick it up. But that's what's going to take. It may work for your luggage, but it's not working for your life. Sablanut is very key. And you got to move on. You can't stop. You can't stop being a wife. You can't stop being a mother. You can't stop being a husband. You can't stop being an employee. You can't stop being a Jew. You can't stop. You got to go. You're not in the mood. Just go. Again, you want to lighten a little? You can. But don't stop. Because once you stop, you're doing a very bad thing for yourself. You're hurting yourself. We learn that in a very interesting place in the Torah. It's not the simple explanation, but it's a beautiful hint to what we're talking about. If you look in Parashat Mas'eh, it talks about the different places that Am Yisrael camped and traveled from in the desert. Where they stopped, like it says, for example, it says, Vayahanu besukot. They camped, they stopped in Sukkot. Then it says, Sukkot, they traveled from Sukkot, and Vayahanu Etam. They camped in a place called Etam. And then it says, Etam, and they traveled from Etam, and then they went to another place. Vayahanu. Then later on. Vayahanu Bemara. They traveled from Mara and they went to Elima. And this is the whole thing. You know how many different places? 42. Anyone reads this says, why do I need to know where they camped? And why each time it says, and they camped, and then they traveled from where they camped. You, you already told me they camped here. So if they traveled, I know already where they, where they traveled from. So some explain beautifully, just as a remez, it's not the simple explanation, that this is a story of our lives. This parasha is not only about a nation in the desert. It's about life itself. That every person has to go through different places in life where they camp. For example, it says, all the, one rabbi figured out from all the names, each one, what it means in life. So there's a place called Mitka. You know what the word Mitka means? Matok. You know what matok is? Sweet. Sometimes, Vayahanu bemitka. Sometimes you camp and it's very sweet. Life is great. And sometimes, Vayahanu bemara. You know what mara means? Bitter. Sometimes you camp in sweet and sometimes you camp in bitter. Sometimes, Behar Shafer. Har Shafer means a mountain. Shafer means beauty. You're up, you're going up, and it's beautiful. And sometimes, Betahat. place called Tahat. Just going downhill, and you can't stop. Sometimes, Refidim. Refidim, the word Refidim here means weak. 
you're the weak in Torah. You just don't want to learn. And sometimes, Bemidbar Sinai, you think you're standing by Har Sinai. And sometimes, you're in Sukkot. You feel like you're just a nomad. You're going from place to place. You feel used. You feel like you're just going nowhere. Nothing set in your life. You just change five jobs. You just you just you went out to five different dates with five different people. It's like you're all over the place. And sometimes etam, etam means solid. Sometimes you feel very solid. You know exactly where you're going. You know exactly where you're going. Your schedule is set. And no, no, no. I'm not going to go through every forty-two names now, unless you want me to. I don't mind. <laughs> it goes through all of them. How each one represents a different situation. different situation in life that we all have to go through. But the key word in all of this is, you know what happens? It says, Vayahanu bemarat. They camped in bitterness. You know what the next word says? Vayisau mimarat. And they traveled from marat. They don't stop in marat. You don't stop where you are. You gotta go. You can't just stop where you are. Imagine, there's so many stops on the train. And it stops in not just a great area. And what do you do? And you get off. And you make that your stop. That's silly. Why are you stopping there? That's your destination. Okay, you passed it. Wait. Train will go. Get off at a better stop. You can't stop. Sometimes the train stops. But you can't get off. Stay on the train. Keep going. Next stop. Now that keep going may take a day or two or a month, whatever it takes. But you gotta keep going. Such amazing beauty. Such guidance from the Torah that Hashem gives us. You know, and sometimes, believe it or not, Sometimes the very downs of life are wake-up calls. Sometimes Hashem sends them for a reason. I mean, they're always for a reason. But sometimes the reason is that, hey, you know something? Maybe you're not doing as well as you should be. Maybe you should be putting more time into your tefillah. Maybe you should be more careful on Shabbat. Maybe you should be more careful in the way you dress. Maybe you should be more careful in the way you're talking to your children and the way you're raising them. Maybe you should be a bit careful. Maybe you're not as good as wife as you thought you are. You know, sometimes when you have the downtime in life, sometimes it opens your mind to try to say, you know, you have a new perspective. Because when your mind is flying, it's like this hot air balloon that's not in reality somewhere, somewhere out there. So you think you're better than you are. Maybe even perfect. And you look at yourself as this, like, this great person. And then when you, boom, hit the floor, it's like a reality check. And you come back to earth. And it makes you think. That's part of the reason why they are amuts. Because if everything was high, 
then you wouldn't realize that there are things in your life that you need to fix. There are things in your life that aren't as good as you think they are. But when you're on high, it's very hard to think about those things. But everything in your life is going great. Nobody has grown in life on a high. Nobody sat on the beach with all the money in the world, relaxed, nobody was sick, everyone was getting married on time, everyone's having children exactly when they're supposed to, everything was perfect, perfect, and they say, you know what? I think I have to get better. Never happened, that never happened. It should happen, but it never happened. That's how it is. Sheva yipol tzadik vakam. Great people need to fall down so that they can become higher. Not bad people, good people. Tzaddik, the tzaddik has to fall. To realize you're not as a tzaddik as you thought. You're not as great as you thought so that you can be higher. Here you are, someone said something to you in the worst mood in the world. You get angry. Hey, you know what? You're not as good as you thought. Why are you getting angry? That wasn't the right reaction. Shouldn't you be stronger? Shouldn't you be more confident? Why are you getting angry? Ah, you gotta work on anger. Go to the bookstore, buy a book on anger. Maybe start going to learn, go to classes. You know, if everything in your life here was perfect every year, I would have nobody in this class. I'll be talking to myself. I'd have the phone on, and everybody would be watching on the phone. And nobody would be watching. Because nobody would need or feel a need to improve in their life. Not me, not you, nobody. But Baruch Hashem, sometimes they are down times. I say Baruch Hashem for that. Because that's the way up. You all know the famous story. Of Yaakov Abinu. Here's a man running away from his parents, not from his parents, from where they are, from myself. He has nothing, zero. He lost all his money. Eliphaz took his money. He's going to Lavan. That's not a great situation either. Doesn't have a wife, doesn't have a job. Where is he going? What's going to happen to him? This was a very big downtime in his life. So we know the famous dream that he had. And in this dream, it says that Hashem, it says, He saw that there was a ladder that was on the ground. And the top of the ladder, was reaching the sky, the heaven. And he saw Malachi Elohim. He saw angels of God. They're going up and down the ladder. And Hashem was standing on him. On top. Actually, I'm not sure where Allah means. Does it mean on the ladder? Does it mean on him? I'm not sure. And then God tells him, Yaakov, I am the I am Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzhak. You should know you're gonna be blessed. 
You're going to have children. You're going to have wealth. Hashem said, I'm with you. You're going to make it big. So nice. What a beautiful dream that anybody here would love to have. Question is, what does that have to do with the ladder? He didn't talk about the ladder. He saw a ladder of angels going up and down. And he tells him, by the way, you're going to have big beracha in your life. He could have told him that without the sulam. He didn't need the ladder to tell him that. What was the purpose of this sulam? Why is there a ladder in this dream? What is the ladder doing? And who are these angels? And why are they going up and down? And where, God, where exactly is God standing? Perhaps the answer is that although Hashem promised Yaakov, you're going to have a tremendous amount of success. But life's a ladder. The Malachim, I don't like these people in white and wings. Malachim are God's messengers. Like moods are God's messengers. Situations are God's messengers. The good days, the bad days, all messengers of Hashem. Malachim, olim bo. This ladder of life, you're going to have some down times. You're in a downtown now. You're going to have up times. And down again. But one thing you should always know. Hine Adonai Nitzav Alav. Alav, says the Midrash, is not on the Sulam, on top of the ladder, holding the ladder. Hashem is holding you. He's with you. He's on Yaakov. As he's going up or he's going down. It's not that Hashem left you and that's why you're having a hard day. The opposite. Hashem is with you. That's why you're having a hard day. And you got to figure out how to take care of it. How to deal with it and how to learn from it. Hashem says, I'm going to give you such beracha. You're going to have such beracha in life. But don't expect that it's going to come just like that. Smooth now. Life's a sulam. Even for Yaakov Avinu, it's a sulam. Nothing wrong if things are going down. It's going to come back up again. I'm with you. So beautiful. What, an, what a perspective. You know, it's interesting. We celebrate Shavuot on the 6th of Sivan. Because on that day, Moshe Rabbeinu brought down the Luhot, the tablets, to Am Yisrael. Except there's a real problem with that holiday. That those tablets were broken. We didn't get those tablets. We got tablets much later. Months later, on Yom Kippur, we got the tablets. The real tablets, the whole ones. The first ones were broken. Why in the world are we celebrating Matan Torah on broken tablets? Shouldn't we celebrate Matan Torah on Kippur? That's when we got the Torah. It's a very big question. And besides, you know what they put in the Aron, the holy Aron? They put 
the broken tablets with yes. the whole ones. When they went to war with the Aaron, the broken tablets were in there. Why? Why are we holding on to the broken tablets? Could you imagine someone every year makes a party? Anniversary. <coughs> Somebody asked him, what's this anniversary for? You had an anniversary last week for your marriage. This is the anniversary of my first marriage. What? You're celebrating the anniversary of your first marriage? Does that make any sense? But that's what we all do as a nation. We celebrate the anniversary of the broken tablets, the ones that never worked. And we hold on to them. And we put them in the Aron. Why? Perhaps that we today should be sitting here and talking about it. That if the Torah was, if you only celebrated the whole tablets, you may think that in order to be successful in Torah or in life in general, things have to be whole. Everything perfect. But it's not like that. Things can be broken and you could be very successful. We actually celebrate. You know, back to the example I gave you, if the person learned from his first marriage how to have a great marriage and the second time, there's reason to celebrate the first marriage too. The broken tablets are not to be thrown away. They're to be taken advantage of and to appreciate. We celebrate the broken tablets. Because you don't have to be perfect in life to be matzliah. You could be broken. You could sit in yeshiva and be broken. And you could be matzliah. Remember, we celebrate the broken tablets, not the whole ones. I'm going to end off by sharing with you two pieces of advice that have nothing to do with Yeme Ahava, days of love or days of hatred. Nothing. But they somehow will connect. And they're both going to come from a Pasuk in Tehillim. Pasuk number one. Perek He, Pasuk Bet. Says David Amelech, Amarai, my words, Ha'azina Adonai. Hashem, please listen to my words. Here's a man desperate for something. I'm sure you've been desperate in life for something. Someone in who's sick. Someone is in labor. Someone needs to get married. Someone is having a hard time in business. I'm sure there are times in life, I remember certain times in my life where I was desperate for something. The tefillah, that my, I, I don't know if I can replicate it. David Amela says, Hashem, please, Ha'azina, please listen to my words. I need your help. And he ends the pasuk. Bina hagigi. Bina means understand. Lehavin. Understand my thoughts. What does that mean, understand my thoughts? You tell Hashem, Hashem, please listen to my words. 
understand my thoughts. What does that mean? Why does he have to understand your thoughts? So I'm going to give you a mashal. There was once a man, an older person, who lived by himself. And suddenly, something was bothering him. He felt something wrong. He didn't know what to do. He's about to lose it. He's about to fall. He grabs the phone. And he dials the doctor's number. And the doctor quickly gets there. Guy had a heart attack. He helps him, takes care of him. And the guy's back, like new, he's doing great. All of a sudden, the guy starts crying. Please, doctor, please, please help me, please help me. So what, I'll help you. You're good, I'll take care of you, you're done. I know, doctor, please, I need you to help me. What do you need? He's doctor, I live alone. I'm not sure that next time I'll be able to call you. Could you pass by every once in a while by my apartment? Because I might need you, but I can't reach out to you. Says David Melech, like Rashi explains, there are times in life where we can actually pray. Amarai ha'azina. Hashem, listen to my words. I know what I need. I'm praying for it. Please help me. But in that same tefillah, David is already anticipating, like she says, there'll be a time in life where maybe I won't have the strength to pray. Maybe I'll be so down, either physically, forbid, or emotionally, that I can't even pray. Sometimes in life, he's told to, he can't even pray. They're so drained, they can't even pray. Says David Melech, I worry about the time that I can't even pray. Bina Hagigi, for those times, please just understand what I really want, even though I can't say it. That means we should be praying now in the good times that Hashem should help us in the difficult times. Part of the good times, Amarai Ha'azina, Hashem, listen to my words, but please don't forget me when I'm not able, when I don't have the strength. And I'm not feeling up to it. I need your help. I, I can't even ask you then, but I need your help. And how would Hashem help us? Is it just about those tefillot? So this is the last pasuk that I'm about to tell you. The pasuk says, it's in Perek Mem Aleph. Ashre, listen to this beautiful pasuk. Ashre, fortunate, maskil, Maskil means one who thinks about and takes care of El Dal. Dal is the poor person. Poor doesn't mean in money only. Poor could be anybody who needs something from you. It could be money. It could be a, a nice compliment. It could be a nice smile. It could be your husband. It could be your, your wife. It could be your children. It could be your parents. It could be your grandparents. It could be your friend. It could be anybody. Dal is somebody who needs something. They're missing something. And you can give it to them. Ashre. Maskil Eldal. Fortunate is the person 
who takes care of those who are lacking something. You see someone and they look like they could use like a nice pep talk. I can move. Ah, it's great to see you. Give them a little compliment on their dress. A little compliment on their shirt. Nice and extra warm Shabbat Shalom. Whatever it is. People need you a lot more than you think. They'll never ask you because they're too proud. Most people will not ask you for most things. But they need you. Of course they need you. You don't think your children need your strength and your compliment? Of course they need you. Your spouse needs you. Your parents need Everybody needs you. You just don't know they need you. Says David Melech, Ashre, fortunate are those who give those who are in need. Beyom ra'ah, says the Pasuk. On a bad day, Yemaletehu Adonai, Hashem will rescue him. What does that mean? The Magid Medubin says, Listen to this mashal. And with this we end. Listen to this beautiful mashal. He says, not a mashal, just an explanation. He says there are two types of people. There are people that when they're approached, someone needs something from them, they give everything they can. Mom, could you help me? Of course. Could you give me money? Of course. Could you walk me down the street? Of course. Anybody who asks them for chesed, for something, they do it. Happily. But they never will look for people who need them. If the guy is in it, they don't ask, they don't ask. I didn't, I didn't get asked, they didn't ask me for help. They didn't ask me for a smile. I didn't do anything wrong. So there are people who will do tremendous kindness and help people when they're asked. You could, by the way, it's a big thing too. There are people who don't do when they're asked. But if you do when you're asked, it's a beautiful thing. Could you could you open your houses? Of course. Could you give us money for that? Of course. Could you go and pick up from a carpool? I'm late. Of course. It's a hesed. Picking somebody else's carpool is a hesed. Anytime you ask, you do it. But if nobody calls you, you don't pick up. Someone's in the hospital, they're having a baby, or their mother is sick. Maybe they need help with the couple. No, I, it's not. I don't do those things. I don't, I don't call people to help them. I'm the person on call. You call me, I help you. Nice, beautiful. But then there are some people who actually maskil. Maskil is they think, oh wow, this person, if if they're in the hospital, so who's taking care of their kids? So if they've been in that situation, how are they making money? How are they paying the bill? Or different types of situation. If my son's coming home from school, who knows what he's been through today? He's not going to tell me. He don't like to talk about that day. But who knows what turmoil happened that day? Maybe he needs a little pep talk. Maybe he needs a little chizuk, a little, wow, you're doing great. I don't know, something. Maybe your husband needs it. Maybe your wife needs that. You don't know. They didn't ask you. They didn't ask you. There is a type of person that's maskil. You see, notice, he didn't say in the pasuk, 
Fortunate is the one who gives the needy. Fortunate is the maskil. Maskil means he thinks about the needy. It comes from him. What's going to happen to such a person? Why is he so fortunate? So the Bible oh, you're so fortunate if you're that person. Oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky if you're a person who's thinking about the neighbor that might need something. Who's thinking about the child that might need something. About the grandmother that might need something. You're so lucky if you're that person. Why am I so lucky? Beyom ra'a. Because on a bad day, Yemaletehu Hashem. Hashem will save you. You know why? Because there are times in life where you need Hashem. And you can ask Him. And hopefully He'll answer you. When you could ask Him, Amarai Ha'azina, ask. But there are times in life where it's so bad that you can't even ask. You're not in the mood to ask. You're a broken person, either physically or emotionally or both. You can't ask. You just can't. Does Hashem help you in that situation? Is He going to look at what you want even though you're not asking? Says David Amalek, it depends. How are you with other people? Are you the type of person that only gives when they're asked? If you're that person, so don't expect help. Because they mirror your attitude. But if you're the type of person who's maskil eldal, if you're worried about somebody's needs, even if they don't ask you, when you're having a hard day and you can't even ask, Hashem will help you. So it comes out that one of the great investments we can make in life, imagine, who would have thought this? The great investments in life to avoid or deal with Yom Ra'ah, with Yom Sin'ah, with a difficult situation, is to invest in helping those in need and even if they don't ask. Who would have thought there's a connection like that? That's why you need David Amelach. Fortunate if you're going to give a smile to somebody because they need it. They didn't ask you. Fortunate you are when you're out there helping those in need because Hashem will help you when you're in need even if you're not in the mood or not able to. Part of the human reality. Take advantage of Yeme Ahava. Take advantage of the great days in life. When they're there, you keep figuring out what to do to take advantage. Yeme Sin'ah, you gotta know how to handle it, like we spoke about. Be'ezrat Hashem, each and every one of us will have the Chokhmah to navigate through life's different stations to know when to stop and when to get off or when to continue. Be'ezat Hashem, you should see Berakha and Hatzlacha v'chol ma'asei Amen.